All right, guys, welcome to a Student of the Game podcast. I'm Kevin. I'm the student, and we're going to be welcoming on today's teacher, Travis Flores. Travis, how are you doing today? Doing good, man. Thanks for having me here. First off, man, I appreciate you uh, coming on. Happy New Year as well. Happy New Year. I know that's an exciting thing, getting out of 2021. Yes, sir. So first off, tell us uh, about what you do now. Tell us about a little bit uh, in, in terms of your role, your position, you know, your, your place in the industry. Yes. Yeah, so I have been with SRS Distribution for the last five and a half years now. I started off as a management trainee straight out of Texas A&M. And for the last about three and a half years, I've been in the territory manager role. So specifically outside sales. Okay. Um, you know, sales is, is such a big driving factor in the world now, right? So many people want to get into it. And I recommend it to people because it is the biggest industry, you know, on the planet. If you look at any business, any Fortune 500 company, the highest paying, you know, department in those businesses is sales. Um, you know, and, it, and it's an awesome pleasure to have you on here to talk about sales. I want to take one brief moment, guys, to uh, introduce you guys to today's sponsor. Uh, True Labs is an uh, amazing supplement. It's a product that I use constantly. The Hydrate 15 is something I use post-workout um, during the middle of my day to keep me going. Um, and just to make sure that, you know, I'm, I'm completely hydrated. I have a problem with drinking water. And just making sure that I can amplify that is an amazing thing. So make sure you guys check out True Labs at truelabs.com. Um, and get and get completely stocked up getting into this year. Let's get healthier. Let's get better. And that's a part of this. It's getting in and uh, growing. Um, so, Travis, tell us a little bit about your background, man. I'm very excited to talk to you about this. But I want to know, you know, kind of where did you come from? Where was the beginning? Have you always been in sales? Is this a new endeavor? Yeah. So, <clears throat> I'm I'm young. Actually, my birthday is Christmas Day, so I just turned 28. Yeah, it's the worst so, birthday ever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, man, I t I'm from Austin, Texas, man. I didn't come from much. You know, my dad worked three or four jobs growing up. He was, did sales once. So I didn't have a lot of exposure there. I went to Texas A&M, you know, I did what they say you should do. Go get a college degree. I wasn't going to join the military. That just wasn't for me. That was my brother's dream. What's your degree in? Industrial distribution. So man. <laughs> yeah, the, basically it's a real funny way of saying uh, sales engineering yeah so i skipped about three levels of math and physics and all the shit that no one really wants yeah. to do uh and just went more of the business side of that right okay uh so you know th that's a little bit about the background and i'd say when i came out of that my thought process was because i didn't come from money because i didn't come from this family air of success my my driving force was go get a job make 50 60k a year because at the time i mean Man, I, I looked at it and I was like, man, I never want to struggle like that. And again, I'm grateful for what my parents gave me. But man, I remember in college, there was two consecutive years, man, I, I couldn't even make it to class because I was donating so much plasma just so that I could like afford rent at yeah. this crappy apartment me and my boys lived at. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I started kind of, I did like a sales competition in college. I was probably... 19 at the time someone's like hey you can win a grand if you if you win this that's a lot of money at yeah, the time man. yeah i was like man i don't have to donate plasma this month so yeah. it, i did that and then i ended up winning and i was like man like what is it and i never will forget one of the uh the dean of our college of the industrial distribution program said travis he goes i hate that sometimes you really don't know what you're talking about but you have sold me so well on the idea that people aren't really buying the product remember that they're yeah. buying you yeah and, uh, you know, I, we'll dive into this, but man, I, I take things real personal, sometimes too much. Right. But I think that to me is, uh, kind of what drove me into sales is that I enjoy that pursuit of making people like me, yeah. you know, and, and look, there can be tons of insecurities in that, but I mean, did I have a sales background growing up? No, not really. I mean, I did it. I did do an internship, uh, my second year out of college where I went door to door selling books. 
So a couple of people have heard of I that think, company. I think when you look at the highest level of salespeople, we've all, we've all done that. I've never spoke to a high-level sales guy who cannot look back and go, I did that one thing I probably shouldn't have done. I remember yeah. I used to door knock. Now that I look back in hindsight, right, yeah. I used to door knock for this company that used to pay us $50 if we convinced someone to get an estimate on paint. Now, mm-hmm. now obviously, I have a, a, a career in door knocking, but I've, yeah. I, as a grown man, if someone knocked on my door to talk about painting my living room, I'm not interested. Yeah. So I think we've all been there, and I think those are the things that really shaped us to be you know, really ready for, for anything, quite frankly, mm-hmm. you know, to be able to handle and tackle any, any problem in the sales industry. So tell me this, right? So coming yeah. up, you didn't come for much. You obviously wanted to build something. You saw a life that you wanted to change. You saw that you wanted to make adjustments, you know, and you got, you dabbled in sales at a young age and, and found some success in it. What, why was that the avenue? What made you go, this is what I want to do? Did you know how much money was in it or is it just kind of how, how the cards were dealt? I mean, I think it's the, how the cards were dealt. You know, the, the money's great. We yeah. know that. But I think at the end of the day, what I realized is it, even if I work for you, right, and I'm in sales, at the end of the day, like, you might be my boss, but really the person that's waking up every day telling me what to do is me, right? Because, I mean, the reality to salespeople is, to me, you either perform, you don't perform, you get coached a little bit, but if you don't get coached right, you're just getting fired. Yeah. So the person that's really there every day monitoring it and controlling their own future is you. And I think that's where I liked it is not just the financial freedom, but the freedom of, I mean, I don't, I don't get calls from a guy every day like, hey, do you have this report? Do you have this? Do you have that? A lot of it is it's on me, right? Like yeah. it's the relationships I'm building, the customers I'm gaining. Well, the, the, the one thing that I do want to ask, right, because you're successful in this. Let's not, let's not sugarcoat it. You're extremely successful in this game right now. And, and I've got an a unlimited amount of respect for how you play the game. But that mentality the question I have and the question I think a lot of people will have getting into sales at an early age, is that how you're going to see it in the beginning, right? Like I understand, we both understand if you want to, if you want to succeed in sales, I don't care what you sell. I don't care if you sell cars, if you do what you do, if you do what I do, you do have to be your, your motivator. You have to be your accountability. You have to wake yourself up. You've got to push yourself. You've got to keep yourself invigorated through a tough time. But my question is, at what point do you grasp that? Because at the very beginning, you know, I'll be, I'll be candid. When I first got into sales, it was not because I wanted to be my own boss or I wanted to push myself or drive myself. I, quite frankly, didn't think I had that capability. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was scary to me, and I know it's scary to a lot of people. Getting into a realm of commission is terrifying until you understand your skill set. Right now, I would never get out of commission because I, I strongly feel – I would be wasting so much potential of myself that I can do so much more than this hourly or salary pay structure because I know who I am. But I remember getting in early. It's scary. It's very scary because you almost feel like you're losing the security blanket of no matter what, I'll have this. And you have to trade it off for what you're willing to bet on yourself. But until you have true confidence, how do you get past that hump? You know, how do you, how do you get yourself to really adapt a mindset that I can do this and it's not just man, this may be a bad move. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is it is getting your teeth kicked in. And I tell people that all the time. There's guys that I mentor at work that, you know, maybe rather they're just starting or they're at a struggle phase. And I'm like, look, man, like, just because, I mean, for example, right, like, if you go look at Michael Jordan and all the championships he won, it, I love that they came out the last dance because it showed the process. Yeah. And that's what I, that is what I'm coaching people on. So you're right, like, in the beginning, it's not all sunshines and rainbows, 
But to be honest, in the beginning, I had to tell myself to trust the process, right? Making sure that I was specifically in my realm, right? Outside sales in the, you know, in the construction realm, do I have the leads out there? Am I making actual contact? Am I doing things that matter? Am I building relationships or am I just worried about the next sale? You know, for example, even you and I, when we first connected, was I more concerned with making money off of you or was I more concerned about having a relationship with you, learning about your business and how we can partner together? 100%. And the one thing I will attest and make it very public, you know, when we established a sales relationship, I was very skeptical um, because, you know, here's the thing, right? I truly believe salespeople are the hardest and simultaneously the easiest people to sell. Reason being is because they will see through the pitch immediately. So if you're genuine, you're going to grasp them pretty quick. But if it seems like a pitch or if your pitch is too constructed around what you've been trained on, it's challenging. And, you know, I train in sales. You've got, you've got three steps. You have to first, you have to understand what we're doing, whether that's reading a training manual, reading a book, understanding sales. Then number two, you have to identify how you want to articulate it. The way that comes off and rolls off the tongue for you. It doesn't seem salesy. It doesn't seem sketchy. And then number three, you need to completely forget all of your training and let it become your innate mentality. You need to, you need to let it become natural. Now, you know, when we, when we started our relationship, you know, I, I was using a different rep and things were just a little, a little wibbly wobbly. I don't want to say it was bad. A lot of the things were not this person's fault, but it was her responsibility. And I think you have to own everything that happens, you know, around you and through you and to you. Um, but I remember a lot of it was, listen, you know, the numbers are not the priority. You just got to trust me and our relationship. And I will tell you from my experience, I'm not a perfect man. I've had a tough time and, and I battled trust most of my life. You know, when you, when you've kind of scraped and clawed to get somewhere, you're, you're kind of, you know, the metaphor I use is you're the wounded dog. You're the dog in the corner of the room who just assumes everyone's a threat. And you, mm-hmm. you may get adopted by the most beautiful, loving family who who's just wants to love you, but you're just, you're just in that mechanism of defense. And mm-hmm. everything's an enemy. Everything's a problem. And I've had to really work on that. But the one thing I've told you, and I've told a lot of people, you know, in the last 12, 24 months, this guy's earned my trust and he's earned my business. And, and I'll, you know, I'll say it to the public now. I stopped looking at the numbers. I really did. Because there was a level of this guy's told me everything he was going to do and he's done it. And I know he's got my best interest at mind. Now, the biggest question I have, and this may go over a lot of people's heads because they don't know your industry, but I'm going to kind of get to that. Sure. How is that possible? And I mean this because this, this is what I see from the outside looking in. This is so many questions I have. Number one, I see that you have to drive new sales. You have to go out. You've got to find new, um, you know, new relationships, new companies that are on the rise to work with you. But to me, what I have witnessed, especially just with my business, let alone you know the many you manage, the amount of effort that you put into just maintaining those relationships. I mean, I've had some of my guys hit you up at eight o'clock at night, nine o'clock at night, and you're there, right? How are you doing that? Like, how are you allocating your time? Where's your, how is your daily agenda go? Is it just, you know, deal with it as it comes or do you have a plan? You know, how do you approach the game? Yeah. And you know, that's a good question because a lot of people ask me that and I not just, it's not just how do I handle it, but what am I doing with my time that's valuable? Right? So I read a book when I did 75 hard last year, which I know it's not yeah, 4448. Yeah, yeah. We four, 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 yeah, yeah, guys. Yeah. I'm doing 4448. Four, We've yeah, talked about this. We, we have. We have. I, I got to think about it too. But <laughs> that being said, you know, I read a book called The One Thing. 
And one of the biggest chapters and one of the biggest points that, that stood out to me is about time. And we all know that, right? You and I are given the same 24 hours in a day. You may be more talented than me, than me in something, but we both have time, right? And I tell people, okay, the mindset I go at when I'm forming those relationships, I mean, again, this, is, this can be sales, this can be my family, this can be my friends, whatever it looks like, right? What am I filling my time with that's valuable? So, yes, sometimes you plan what I call like a, these are my oh shit, this is my oh shit time, right? Yeah. So if I've got 24 hours in a day, let's subtract the six that I'm sleeping, right? And then let's subtract like, again, I got a kid and I got a wife. Let's subtract the two hours we're doing dinner, all that stuff. So if I've effectively given myself 16 hours a day to work, how much of that time am I thinking, okay, am I doing something valuable to build a relationship, make a new one, or even retain one if there's a problem? But then also, too, how much time do I budget to make sure that when something goes wrong, I am there to answer the call? Yeah. And I think that it's pretty easy. For me, it's straightforward in my business, right? I personally will try to take about three, maybe four meetings a day, which doesn't sound crazy. Again, because I've got drive time. I've got phone time in between, computer time. Yep. But doing that enables me to have time to answer those calls for those people. Right. Because at the end of the day, like, it's like you said, people can see through it when you, when you care, right? Yeah. No one, no, no one, no, no one cares how much, you know, till they, till they know how much, much you, you care. care. And so the reality is I have to put myself for me to care that much. I need to put myself in your guys' shoes. Right. And I don't mean, I mean, your guys literally at design roofing, for example, yeah. right. I have to think, okay, they are with a customer right now. They're about to close a deal, and it would mean the world to them if I answered the phone at 7 o'clock at night. Hey, man, if that was me, I would want my rep to answer too. Yep. And the reality is it's most of the time it's under 60 seconds of my time. So, so you know? the question I, I, I come up with, not that I don't sure. understand, but I feel like this is a question that would be asked. What about the people who don't see it that way? Are they wrong? Have they just not grasped it yet? Because here's the thing, right? Sure. I believe – you and my belief system is very controversial. I approach the game of life in such a different fashion than most people. And a lot of times when I explain it, I I even catch myself sounding crazy. But I do believe you have to maximize your opportunity. I believe that fully. I believe we're on this earth and we're given these opportunities, these people, these mentors, these chances, and you've got to take them. But I also understand that everything requires sacrifice. And the biggest one that I want to ask you, because you're in such a different predicament than me. Sure. I'm a single guy, no kids. You know, I got two cats running around. One won't leave you alone. Yeah. But you've got a wife. You've got a family. How, how is it that you can do this and still have a healthy family and a healthy relationship? Because, listen, any time you give, something is taken. That's just period, point blank. If you invited me to dinner... And I go to dinner, something is taken. That time is taken elsewhere. If I prioritize that to be, you know, that, that's going to that's gonna take precedence. And I'm going to be happy with that decision. Mm-hmm. But something is taken. So to approach the game of customer relation within sales, um, that, hey, listen, I understand how important it is for me to answer this phone. I understand that this person is counting on me to make this sale. I agree with that. But the question I have is, how are you accepting that in a time where maybe your family's with you or that you're in the living room? How do you, for lack of better words, how do you make that sale to them? Is that something you prior established? Is that something that, that they already know? Is this something that you're just you know, dealing with on the fly? Hey, baby, I got to take this. I mean, yeah. how are you doing that? Yeah, so for me, the, the reality is I, I like that you said this, and I want to expand on this because this is another point that in 
you know, the one thing, the book that I read, it's one that I'll reference and then winning by Tim Grover. Both of those books that I read in 2021 now uh, spoke a lot to me. But one thing that I told my wife, the minute that I stepped into sales, because we, when we, we got married right when I started the sales role. So we're in just about two weeks, we'll have been married four years. And that's about how long I've been sales. You got dates on your watch? No, no. I just had to check. I had to check. I was like, wait, what check is the rolly, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I got a little Christmas present for myself. Yeah, but, nice. uh, you know, no, that's all that to be said, something that my wife and I had this conversation four years ago. So before we're in a thick of, let's just pretend that it was a, you know, a 10 year awful marriage and I'm, and I get it right. Salespeople have salespeople everywhere can tell me about the struggles it makes. Something that I sat down with my wife and we continuously have this conversation is I'm not making sacrifices. I'm making choices because a sacrifice seems like I give something up. If I'm making the choice to not only better my business and my customer's business, I've made that choice, right? A sacrifice makes it seem like, oh, well, I'm going to choose to now leave the house. I'm going to choose to leave and do this, right? Like I gave something up. How did I give something up, right? If I'm answering that call from, let's just say that you never, ever have heard of me, right? Mm -hmm. You finally call me back. I answer the call. You're like, oh my gosh, dude, you were there for me when you, when I really needed somebody, blah, 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 blah. It transpires into you being a new customer of mine, right? That wasn't a sacrifice. I gained something. So from the jump, I had a conversation with my wife to say, hey, at certain times, I'm going to make these choices for my family, for you, when for our daughter. When did you have that? Was, that? was that at the beginning? Was that when oh, it became effective? Because here's the thing. When you first started, those, those incurrences haven't happened yet. So was it prior to or was it when it first started to happen and you had to start stepping away that you said, hey, babe, let's talk? Prior, because the, the funny thing about it is when I took this role with this company, to me, it's not a game. I don't wake up every day. What I tell people that work for us, hey, man, if you're happy and you want to wake up, and I'm sure you have people like this too, that you sense this complacency, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, and don't get me wrong. When you first start in sales, you're like, oh, man, if I could just make a hundred grand, right? Like as if it's this money that's going to get you. But then you get to a point where you start making more and you still want more, right? Yeah. But to, to back up on that point, to me, it's like I tell people at our company, hey, if you're happy waking up, making 125 grand a year, go work for my competition. I would love to compete against your ass because that's not how I work. Yeah. This isn't a game. I don't, I'm not driven by the, what goes into my bank account on Friday. It doesn't matter to me. Yep. I matter because I'm trying to make the best version of myself and those around me, right? Th- there's so much potential. Why would I stop? So yeah, at the, that conversation happened in the beginning because I told my wife from the jump, I'm like, hey, I am my own worst enemy. I don't need you. I don't need my boss. I don't need, I don't need our CEO to tell me, well, Travis, you should kick it in gear. I'm going to do it myself. Yeah. So we had that conversation again. That was just me intelligently having at the beginning so that the groundwork had been laid to know what it would look like as I pursue this career. Yeah. So the foundation was set so that nothing's surprising. Hey, this is what it is. Yeah. So here's the thing, right? I believe fully and I, and, and listen, I've been blessed absolutely blessed with some amazing mentors, amazing mentor in my life. I've got two of them that are wildly successful um, on, on different levels. And they have, I've had the blessing to be taught some lessons that I think people gain over time at a very early age, which has definitely helped catapult me to where I'm at. But one of the best lessons I got from a mentor of mine, you know, early on in my career, you know, in the fitness industry was, he said, Kevin, you can't chase the money. If you chase the money, you're going to get tired. You can't chase the money. You're, the money will follow you. He said you have to run after something bigger than money, something relevant to your life's goals, your ambitions, your desires, your life's purpose on earth. 
the money will, will, will chase you. It will come after you. But if you chase money, there are going to be moments in time where you get the money, and then what? You know, I remember, I remember this specifically because, you know, when I was younger, real young, man, I remember, you know, to give you some background, I, I remember I was a GM um, at a fitness club um, under this, this, my mentor was my direct vice president. Mm-hmm. And I had, I had crashed my Mustang, man. Young guy, remember, I'm young. And I crashed my Mustang, man, and life sucked, right? Yeah. I was riding my bike. And I had a motorcycle at the time, but that was my only other vehicle. And it was cold. It was raining. And I had to ride through the rain. And I remember um, I had hit a bonus, a monthly bonus. It was ten grand bonus plus my check. So I ended up getting like a $15,000 check for a two-week period. This is the first time I had ever made that type of money in my life. You know, fifteen grand in two weeks, you know, young guy in the sales industry on, on the climb. I mean, I was, I was doused, right? Yeah. And I called off of work that day. <laughs> I swear to you, I called off of work that day. I drove to a dealership and I bought a BMW. <laughs> and I and I call him and I'm like, hey, you know, I can't come in today. And he was like, you got paid, huh? And I said, yeah, man, I got to get a car. And he's like, what you getting? I was like, oh, I'm going to go get me a BMW, man. It's been a dream of mine. And he said, just, just make sure it's not about the money. And I said, okay. And I was sitting in the dealership and I remember I got the car and it hit me that like I was chasing. And, I, and this has been my drive ever since. I play to win. I think the money will follow, but I play to win. If, if you put me in a room of other sales reps, I just want to be the best. I want to be the best one in the room. I'm not saying I am the best, but I want to be the best. I want to outperform everyone in that room, and that's been the drive. And I remember as soon as he kind of talked to me that day, I showed up the next day. And every, you know, typically when I, when I was younger, if I got something new, you get a new toy, you're showing everybody. Hey, yeah, check this out, man. Check yeah, out, check out this watch. Yeah. I didn't, I just parked it. I just parked it and I got it and I got to work. And I'm like, Kev, I heard you got a new car. And I was like, yeah, you know, whatever. And, and, and that was the first time in my life. I'll, I'll admit this now. That was the first time in my life when I really grasped like humility, like mm-hmm. younger me. Oh man, I would have pulled up windows down. Hey, everybody come outside, come outside, yeah. check out my new car, yeah. check out my new car. Yeah. And I remember I just parked it and I came in. Now it's the second of the month and we were on monthly bonuses. Every month was a new month. Every month you started over. So every month is a new challenge. And I remember I didn't show up on the first because I went and bought that car. Yep. And it was like, okay, I'm, I'm a day behind now. You know, my, my location didn't do well because I wasn't there. And it was like, okay, it's go time. And that was the first time I really got the opportunity to say, hey, you, you can't chase the money. No, I'm not saying the money won't give you affirmation to tell you you're doing a good job. If you hit a bonus, it's going gonna, it's gonna to give you the ability to commend yourself, right? And I also believe a big problem in the sales industry for high performers is we are so hard on ourselves. We don't pat ourselves on the backs enough. And I believe in that because you do have to be your arch nemesis and your number one fan. You've got to be the guy who, who says, hey, we got this. But you also have to be the guy who says, we need to do more. You have to be that. So you, but you have to take moments and say, you've done a good job. I acknowledge what you've done. And a lot of times that is uh, a monetary item, you know, like buying yourself a Christmas gift. That's, that's as much as most people bask in that. I think for high-performing salespeople, it's just an acknowledgement. I'm on the right path. I'm doing a good job. And that was, I think, for me, the biggest moment. You know, the question I have for you and one of the things I do want to bring up. So in your situation, you've told your wife, you've, you've told your family, hey, this is, this is what I'm signing up for. How does she take that? You know, I had a great conversation with someone recently, mm-hmm. and he was talking about how he found his drive in the midst of a relationship. 
Meaning what I told him is I said, you, she never really got the opportunity to sign up for that. She signed up for a version of you, and in the mix of that relationship, you became a different version. How does she take that? Does, does she just say, okay? Like, does she, knew that, did she know that that was you prior, or did she just say, okay, I'm with you, and I'm signing up for this new version? I think it was already who I was prior, right? My wife knows that, my, that I am my own arch nemesis, as you said, right? And I think that part of that, too, is that one thing that uh, I like that you talked about humility, right? Like I wanted to dive into that because one thing that my wife told me was, uh, I'm just going to share this and be a little bit open here. So SRS Distribution, we sponsored the Las Vegas Bowl. I see so that. Wisconsin, that was awesome. Yeah, we had a couple of commercials, all that stuff, right? So again, it was a you know West Coast game, right? Like they're playing in Vegas. Game's at 9.30, 10.30, I think here. You know, I'm sitting up there watching it because I want to see the commercials. And I, I heard my, my direct mentor is in one of the commercials, whatever. And uh, I remember I was getting to bed. It's about midnight. And uh, my wife, Becca, she's still awake. I look at her and I was like, man, and I was kind of kidding, right? But I go, man, like, I don't know why they wouldn't put people like me in the commercial, right? The people that are out there hustling, like giving their blood, sweat, t- tears into this company, right? Yep. I mean, of course, like the CEO, he should be on there, right? Whatever. But I remember my wife looked at me and goes, because I told her, I said, I don't know, but I feel like I now have this itch where I need to be my own boss. I think I should quit soon in the next year and start my own company. She goes, well, what do you want to do? I said, well, I I don't know, maybe general construction, but maybe something completely different, right? And she said to me, and I'll never forget this because it just stuck with me. She goes, if you were to leave this company because you want to be your own boss and you want to be the guy in the commercial, then you already know you're wrong because it sounds like you need to worry about being behind the scenes and taking a humble pill. And I was like, Oh shit. Like, yeah, it's, it's a tough blow. Yeah. Huh? She's like half awake, eyes half open. And she says that to me. And I'm like, damn dude. But you know, t- to your point, to your question of like, Hey, what, you know, did she sign on for this new version of me? Or was it something that was already known? It was already known. But I think that one thing, like you said, the money, money is just a way for us to, to measure each other. Right. You came from the fitness industry. I'm in this industry and now you're in it too. The reality is I wake up every morning, right? And at 3 a.m. So you know what's going to be the first email that hits it, unless it's you emailing me because I know you're <laughs> up late, right? But most of the time on my work email, the first email I see is a what we call a TM ranking scorecard. So it's a territory manager, fancy word for outside sales scorecard every single morning. You know against everybody in your region. So there's probably, I don't know, sometimes you can tie, whatever, but there's like, 80 dudes on there in the state of Texas, Louisiana, whatever, just our region. And we get to see where all of us were. And there's a white meaning above average, yellow average, red below. And every single day you get to see not only where you at for the day, but for the month and where your budget is. Right. So that being said, like we're already measuring that. Right. And if, if I wake up every morning thinking, you know, again, I check it every day, whatever. But if I wake up every day thinking I want to be first, Sure, that's great. Be motivated, right? But at the end of the day, that's just a way to measure. So for my wife to sign on to this, she knew, hey, this is the kind of person you are, but I had to take a humble pill. And again, even with that kind of friendly joking reminder the other night when we were watching the game, I have to wake up realizing that, hey, for her to accept this version, I need to be able to chase the success, the ability to win, right? I want to go into a room and I want to win so bad because I love the process of winning more than I do like that. Right. It's the, it's the same thing. If I asked you, Hey, did you, if you go, if you and I go play basketball tomorrow, are you going to be more happy when you win 
are you going to be more pissed? Like if I had to measure your happiness scale one to 10 and your sadness or pissed off scale one to 10, what's going to be higher if you lose or if you win, if you win, you'll high five me. Hey man, good job. Like that was yeah. a good game. Like yeah. if it's close, right? Like if yeah. it's eight ten or something, you know, you might beat me, but right. But at the end of the day, like you hate losing oh, yeah. more than yeah. you like 100%. winning. 100%. So, so to, to, to answer that, yes. If there was a sliding scale of emotion and I won, didn't matter the score, I could have won by one, could have won by 10-0. The emotion of my winning would be very minimal, very minimal. But if I lost, and, and for anyone watching who knows me, I would be sick. I would be sick. I've almost gotten into fist fights for losing tic-tac-toe. Because I'm like, yo, you got lucky, let's play again. And they're like, no, I'm not playing again. I'm like, play me again now. Like, oh, man, I hate losing. I hate losing. And it has nothing to do with the drive to win. I just don't want to lose. I hate – and so, so I completely 100% agree with that. But I constantly ask myself, where does that come from? Like, in your opinion, the, the drive of competitiveness, which I believe – if you truly want to be successful in the game of sales, you have to have a competitive nature. Not necessarily competing between me and you, mm-hmm. but competing between me and me last month or last year or last mm-hmm. week or last quarter or whatever your business is or organization's grading scale is. You've got to compete because the one thing that I will tell anyone trying to get in sales or, or progressing in sales, the market is going to consistently get harder. There's no, there's no sales orientation or sales market that's the same. If you sell homes, sell cars, sell Girl Scout cookies, the market's going to get harder because it's becoming more and more and more um, diverse and, and diluted. You know, the Girl Scout cookies used to own, and I'm using this as an example, but they used to own cookies. They mm-hmm. owned the cookies. If you went to Kroger, there was no cookies that competed with Girl Scout cookies. Now, with the up-and-coming platforms that people are able to create individually, you're finding so many amazing, amazing gourmet things that you can just go online or, or they'll pop up in your ads and Instagram. Mm-hmm. It just happens now, right? So you've got to progress, and you have to be competitive. Competitive with your market, competitive with your industry, competitive with yourself. Where's that come from? Do, do you, here's my biggest question. Do you believe that is something you can learn? Or is that something that is innately to you? Because I have asked myself that a million bajillion trillion times. I am innately competitive. I don't like losing anything. I don't want to lose a game. I don't want to lose. I don't want to lose tic tac toe. I don't want to lose a basketball. I don't want to lose Madden. I don't want to lose. Yeah. Where's that come from? Man, for me, I I really think you have to be born with it, right? I think you have to innately be born with it. I don't think that you can wake up and want to be. Uh, it's it's not even just the sales side of it, but. It, I think that it has to become, it comes from within, right? I don't think that if you and I said we, we sit out and let's just say we did it for free, right? And we put on a huge sales seminar where it didn't matter the industry. We became just like this podcast, a student of whatever game, whether it was Pepsi, Cola, Coke, Disney world. I mean, shingles, I don't really care if we picked it and you and I became masters of it to actually train their salespeople mm-hmm. They're, I mean, look, they might come out of it. They might win a couple more sales. Some guys that have roadblocks totally, but the passion has to come from within. Right. Yeah. And, and the reality, the, the point I make there is, and I was kind of thinking about this as I was driving over here and I looked it up just cause I was like, man, I, I kind of want to remember this cause I always hear this analogy, but I want to look up Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, right? Randy Moss comes out. Oh man, I'm number one. You know, I probably put T.O. number two, maybe Jerry Rice three or four. Are you kidding me? The reality is 
Jerry Rice woke up every day. He wanted to be better, right? Randy Moss, and Jerry Rice will probably tell you this, right? Like if I met him, I bet he would say this. Randy Moss had more God-given talent than Jerry Rice did. Jerry Rice wanted it more, yeah. right? And again, whatever, they played at different times, whatever, whatever, whatever. But the point being there is if I'm going to be in this game, I would want to – I mean, again, look, I'm not trying to be the next Jerry Rice. I'm not trying to be the next Kevin Epps. I'm trying to be the best version of myself. Yeah. And that's the first thing I think people need to believe in themselves is you need to be the best version of you. So no matter what industry you're in, whether it's the fitness industry or it's selling Girl Scout cookies, I don't want to be the next – best Girl Scout cookie seller. I want to be the best version of myself. To me, that's where the humility walks in. But again, that all comes from within. That's just not something you can learn. Yeah. And I mean, I could, you know, getting into it, I'd say, man, you have to wake up with that passion, right? I actually, one of my email signature right now, all my replies is an Eric Thomas quote. Where he says, I don't need an alarm clock. My passion wakes me. If you don't feel that when you're in sales, if you don't have your passion literally waking you up, and like we talked about just before we got on the air of, hey, sometimes I'm sitting there at 2 a.m. and I'm thinking, I do the same thing you do. Again, I'm not crazy, so I got a wife who'll be like, hey, get your ass to sleep. You're waking up. Like, you know, my wife will be like, I want to buy Ella, our daughter, some new clothes. And I'm like, oh, shit, yeah, I better go to bed so I don't wake up at 10 o'clock. But that being said, like... that is the stuff, right? Like last night I literally had dreams about what I need to do this week, right? People are like, oh man, like, oh, I had a cool dream that I was in Hawaii and I did this vacation. No, my dreams are literally about work, how I'm making myself better. I mean, you can't make that shit up, right? No, That is something that just comes from within. And the reality is, can you learn it? I'm saying no, but I don't think it's too late for anyone, right? But this is my question, and I believe I believe a lot of people are going to have this question. I do believe it's within you. I believe my drive is something that I can't turn off even if you asked me to. I, I believe that. I believe even if I begged myself, Kev, you haven't slept in who knows how long. Let's start going to bed at 10. Let's start going to bed at 10. That's not going to make it possible for me to be in bed and go to sleep. I just can't. I physically can't. Everything is going through my mind. I don't think I can turn it off. But my question is, I hear what you're saying that it's innately in you. But I didn't have that at 16. I didn't have that at 17. I didn't have that when you know, I first got into the industry. I, it, it didn't burn as strongly as it does now. Mm-hmm. So I asked myself, and I'm asking you, what is it that allowed that? What, what fueled that fire? Because, I, listen, I think there are some people who just – from the very beginning, were that driven. But I also believe that there are people who have adapted that state of mind. Who, and, and maybe it was within them. Maybe it was buried, and they found a way to reveal it. But there are a lot of people, like myself, who initially did not see that vision for themselves. They did not, they, the, the word I want to use is they did not see that possibility. Mm-hmm. You know, I always felt I was an alpha. I didn't think that I could ever just be a face in the room. I, I've never believed that. Um, you could put me in a, I, t- I've, I said this to a good friend of mine in a conversation last week. You could put me in a room full of billionaires. I probably can't compete with them intellectually or based on the knowledge that they've accumulated over their lifetime. But if you put me in that room, I'm going to size every one of them up. It's the first thing I'm going to do. As soon as I walk in the room, I'm going to size them up. I'm going to give a couple of nasty stares, you know, yeah, and yeah, I'm going to look yeah. around and I'm going to say, hey, you guys are better than me now, but you're not better than I can be. And sure. that, and I will admit, you know, openly, that was one of the things that really changed me. Like, to, to the person that you're sitting with now 
when I got the opportunity to walk into some of these rooms, guys who are killing the game, guys who are making $100 million a year, and I respect them. I respect them at the highest level. But I started to see how human they were, mm-hmm. right? And, and I, I want to ask you this to piggyback off of my initial question because you've came from very humble beginnings as well. I believe in my life, I always thought, I always truly believed there was something they had that I wasn't born with. Whether it was knowledge or an opportunity, it was like a club I couldn't get into. Mm-hmm. It was like, I'm not one of them. And then I start to get to witness some of these people and I'm like, okay, I'm not you now, but I believe in the next X amount of years, I can become that. And I'm not saying it will happen, but I can tell you I'm going to put forth effort towards it. That was not there from the beginning. Mm-hmm. That was not there when I was a young boy or when I was first getting into sales or when I was 17 years old, you know, selling gym memberships. That wasn't there. Mm-hmm. That brewed and grew and, and, and that fire became more and more and more lit. How does that happen? Where, where do you think that comes from? Because the first question I want you to answer before you explain that, what you are now, the version of you who is extremely impressive from, from your customer service to your sales orientation to your organization to your management, was that who you always were? Obviously, the skill set increased, but the, sure. but the mindset, was that always there? Well, and I think that part of that, to answer that question, is what you do today shapes who you will become, right? You are who you are becoming, and so to that point, like at some point in time, you have to have that reality. And I, I agree with you, right? When we're 16, we're just chasing tail. We're being stupid or, you know, as a phrase, we're young, dumb, full of cum, whatever yeah. the phrase is, right? Yeah, it's a yeah, joke. Yeah. But the reality is that's kind of who we are. But the reality is it's like you said. You, I mean, you kind of, in a way, you answered what I, you said what I was going to say just in asking the question is it was already there. It was just buried deep right? Someone just didn't realize their potential. So again, I said something, if you got to be born with it, right? That doesn't mean if you're listening to this and you're like, man, I want to turn my life around. I want to do this, right? Okay. The minute that in your mind, you quit saying to yourself, I want to, and I will, that is when the mindset has begun to shift and you start to unlock that potential, right? Same thing, right? I go into a sales room full of salespeople, entrepreneurs, whatever it is, same thing, man. I'm sizing up, man, that guy's no better than I am. He just got lucky. He just had opportunities. But the reality is for when I actually make progress is when I step into that room and realize, okay, you have to have this Napoleon mindset, as I say, right? So Napoleon, right, he was the guy that would go into battle, right? He'd go talk to every single person at the different front of the war. I mean, we're talking, again, look, I'm not military, so forgive me. You're talking generals to lieutenants to just infantry, right? Let's just use that analogy. Like he's talking to the lowest of the low, the highest of the high. Well, by the time he came up with with a strategy, he was actually the smartest person there. He knew more about better ways to attack not only the enemy, but the structure they were on, what the weather was doing, what positions they knew were more key to you know succeed in that said battle. So the reality is he walked in being the dumbest person there, but he used the ability he had been given to, like you said, to learn from those around yep. and apply those principles. So to me, to answer the question, you know, what what is it that comes from within? Is it someone that you can become? Is it something that is always buried in there? Yeah, I think so. I, I think that deep down you have to accept not only that humility, but have that drive within you. It's there. You just have to figure out what it is because everybody has a passion, right? Absolutely. So it, again, like maybe it's not for me. Maybe it's not selling shingles, right? Like at the end of the day, let's just call a spade a spade. That's what I do. If someone said, what do you do? That's what I do. But 
for me, the reason why it's passion is because what I actually tell people is, hey, I'm in the building materials, but I'm helping other people build their business. And the reality is I'm not here to tell you how to run it. I'm here to look at it and say, hey, man, I think that maybe this could be better. Or you say, man, this sucks. I'm not good at this. Let me help you get better at it. Yeah. And I think when you have that, not only that place of humility to learn, but to help others, that's when that starts unveiling itself. So again, rather you're 16, you're 25, you're 45, because I think these are lessons you can learn, right? I mean, my 91-year-old grandmother still wants to tell me, hey, I'm still willing to learn. So if she's willing to learn, and she's almost four times my age, yeah. shit, I'm 28. I definitely could learn some things, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's the reality. Absolutely. So, you know, one of the things that I talk about is I think there's three types of salespeople in any organization. There's the individual who comes into an organization and he has his way of doing things, which may not be right, but that's just the way they do things. You know, we all got guys like that in the organization. You give them a play, you give them a system, and they just... They're not hitting it, right? Or maybe they are. But they're just kind of doing their thing. They've come with their habits. They've come with their way of operating. I think the second type of person is the one who comes in as a blank canvas and just runs the play. They just run exactly what you ask them to do. If you tell them, hey, this is the five things that it takes to win, they do those five things. And I think the third type of salesperson is that of, of what becomes, naturally becomes a high-performing salesperson who's the one who comes into industries, organizations, businesses, groups, and they immediately look for areas of opportunity. They look for different ways to advance what they're doing. They say, okay, I see the five things you got, but I want to add things to my way of playing it. I want to add things to my resources. You know, when I first got into the the roofing industry as a mm-hmm. sales rep, prior to owning, you know, my business, um, you know, I, I saw a lot of weak points, which were ended up being reasons that I couldn't continue in this in this company. But it was like I'm just I'm gonna figure out how I can be successful on my individual realm. And there were a lot of plays and processes that I created while being in an organization that did not do these things that I felt were so many different things to to separate myself from my competitors. You know, small, small things that I think get overlooked. I got into the industry in a company that did nothing after the sale. All they were interested in was the sale. Quite frankly, they were driven by making money. I wanted to create, establish relationships. Now, I'll be very candid and say I didn't have the heart you had. You're, you're a different breed in relationships. I mean, I, there are sometimes you do some stuff and my people call me and they're like, yeah, I called Travis like at like 10 o'clock and he answered. And I'm like, oh, I wouldn't have done that. But <laughs> it happens. <laughs> you know, I was dropping off cookies and, and gift cards after the sale. After the sale, I thought mm-hmm. that was a separator. I was creating forms that were not within the organization and the structure. I believe those are the three types of salespeople. Mm-hmm. The ones who come in and they run their play, the ones who come in and run your play, and the ones who come in and adapt your play but create their own. The question I have, let's say I want to become high-performing. I want to get into sales, and I want to make good money. I want to be an alpha. I want to be a dog. I want to be up there in the ranking. But... I just, it's not clicking yet. I'm, I'm just, I'm one of the guys who wants to change some things. And I've got plenty of guys like this. I know plenty of guys like this. What's the first step? What's, where, where do I go from there, in your opinion? I mean, it's, it, like you said, it's always you versus you, right? And, and I believe that. And so for me, like, if, if you're the guy or you're the girl that's struggling, that you can't make that breakthrough, again, it's not always to me that you're doing something wrong. It's just part of the process, right? So part of the process is failing. It is not connecting. It is 
that way. But you know, for me specifically, or for my industry, my side of it, right? We're, mm-hmm. we're distribution. So let's just call it what it gets called. We're the glorified middleman, right? And so here, I'll just give you an example in our realm, right? A guy I'm mentoring, he tells me this all the time. Hey man, like I've got this new customer. The reality is Home Depot and Lowe's sell the same thing we do as do our competitors. We're in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. There's thousands of people that can do what we do. And I'm like, he says that to me. I go, okay, do you believe that? Well, yeah, man. I said, okay, yeah, you're right. Like Home Depot is a little bit cheaper, right? In this, in this given example. So fill in your business, right? Someone else is cheaper, yep. right? But the reality is, do they have you? So the minute that you start believing in yourself, right? Like the minute that if I am the, let's just call it the, uh, uh, the like low self-esteem mm-hmm. overachiever mm-hmm. maybe, mm-hmm. right? So for example, let's just continue with this example. Let's just say that you were my, actually my boss right now, right? Okay. And I'm crushing my goals and you're telling me that, but every time I'm like, man, it's just not good enough. Yeah, and yeah. you're kind of like, Trev, you need to pump the brakes, dude. Like you are doing well, right? Like you're number one in the district or you're number yeah. one in the state. But you're well, just kind of beating yourself up. Yeah, exactly. The, the minute, if I'm talking to somebody like that right now, I would say, Hey, the first thing that you have to realize is that in this game that we're that we're all playing that's sales, again, not only is it you versus you, but you have to you have to when you elevate yourself, it's not thinking about thinking less of yourself, it's thinking about yourself less, right? So the minute the minute that you take the opportunity to say, "Okay, what is it that I can do for my customer?" Again, I'm going to share this with everybody, I hope you don't mind. So I know for a fact that I see, I follow Kevin on Facebook. I call, I follow Kevin on Instagram. Like we're friends, right? Like he and I are friends, right? I know for a fact that we both live in Dallas, Texas. So, and I both know that we love basketball. So again, it's three months away. Yep. And I found a way to get, you know, section 100 tickets. Again, this is Travis. This is not SRS. This yep. isn't a suite. Nothing like that. We're going to have four tickets that yep. I've got to send to him for Lakers maps. And, and and I want to pause it real yeah. quick, guys. He knows, and anyone who, who yeah. knows me knows. Listen, I believe in in the business of, of of entrepreneurship. You have to have beacons of what you're trying to emulate. You know, until you find out who you are, you have to establish how you want to move and who you really look up to. And anyone who knows me, whether I look like a fanboy or not, I admire the way LeBron approaches the game of life. Not just the game of basketball, but the Mm -hmm. game of life. His legacy, how he approaches press conferences, how he approaches leadership. I've admired this guy for a very long time, and I truly believe a lot of my attributes in the way that I see business, the way I see the world, have been emulated behind this guy. I've watched almost every interview. I've watched everything. So it initially was a emulation and then it grew to a fascination and now it's controversial and an obsession <laughs> yeah so so i will attest when i saw this when i when i saw the man got lakers tickets it was huge it was huge for me and he knew that and i think that's what he's getting the point to is how much of a big deal it was for him to make that extra step for me to to show and and again i say this all the time it's got to be bigger than business We may have a business relationship, and we may have X and Y, but your relationship, which is exactly what it is, it's the the past between the two of us, our relation in the world. Although it's originated in business, 
It has to become bigger than business. And those are the best relationships because that's where trust comes from. The, you know, the, the rep you stole me from that you, that you, you know, I cheated on you with. She's, she's an outstanding business person. I will tell this on air now. She's an outstanding business person. There was not enough attention to make it bigger than business. And I can never blame someone for that because that's not your job. You've done your job effectively. I cannot fault you for not making it bigger than business. That's your job. That's what you get paid for. But when people do, they separate themselves in the marketplace. They, they truly do. I've said this to some of my guys. I gave out gift cards to every sale I've ever made in my career. I can't ask you to do that. That's not your job. It, you, you, you are not required to go out and spend your hard-earned money to show appreciation to your clients. You can't require that of someone. But when you do, you separate yourself in the marketplace. It becomes bigger than business. And that's a huge, huge, huge thing that, that I see. A huge big-time question I've got for you. Why? Like, obviously, I know there's drive. Obviously, I know that you want to be successful. We've talked about your competitive nature. Why? What is your why? What is your X factor? Yeah, right. And I think uh, there's another point to that is it's the power of why, right? So let me uh, briefly, I'm going to answer this question. I don't want to get too long-winded on this, but if I were to go into the power of why, right? Like we asked the five whys. So again, through the, like about what, 50 minutes we've been on right now, right? We heard the why, right? I didn't come from money, right? Okay. So there's the first why didn't come from money. I want to have money. I don't want to feel like I'm eating McDonald's because I have to, right? I want to know that I can go to central market and get a nice steak if I want to, right? That's just the worldly part of me, right? The reality is I don't need that, right? I could live off whatever. I'll be yep. fine. Yep. Then you ask why, okay, well, why, why does it matter that you don't money? Well, I want to leave a legacy that's bigger than myself, right? Okay, well, there's a second why, right? Then I ask myself the third why. And I think if you're listening to this, you need to ask yourself these whys. You don't have to, you don't have to go ask people this, right? It may not be the, the best approach if you're going to sit down with a new customer and you're like, well, man, like what really, you know, why does it piss you off when, you know, if, if in our business, right? Why does it piss you off when someone's late? Oh, well, because I get behind on the install. Why? Well, because the guys don't get the material on time. Why? I mean, like, yeah. we get it, right? Yeah. Like, I'm not an idiot. I get it why that would make you mad. But... The reality is ask yourself these whys, right? So I've asked myself these whys before. So first it started off with money. Then it started off with wanting to leave a bigger legacy. Mm -hmm. Then it started off with, uh, I don't ever want to look back and tell my kids, I'm sorry, I just couldn't do it. Or tell my wife, I just couldn't handle it, right? Couldn't handle the pressure. And again, these are things that initially come from within, but a lot of people, this is probably already in them, right? Those whys are probably already deep inside a salesperson churning, waiting to be unlocked, you just have to tap into that potential. But, you know, when I got to that fourth and fifth, why I realized that I sought to my, I said to myself, okay, every morning when I, before I get in the truck before, or I'm sorry, when I get in the truck, before I see a customer, before I talk on the phone, because it's pretty damn rare that someone's going to call me by the time I get in the truck, unless there's something bad happened. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm in it early, man. Like, <laughs> like the sun's still down. If in they're the calling summer. you at 5am, there's a problem. Yeah. There, no, there, there's a big <laughs> problem that usually it's like a text of like, Hey man, I'm sorry. But, uh, no, but that being said, I always tell myself this and I heard this and I've been doing it for like probably the past couple months, but there's been a variation of it. But in short, I've been saying to myself, I've been praying like, Lord, just give me the opportunity and I want to make an abundance of it for you. And again, I'm, I'm getting a little, 
I'm getting a little bit spiritual, but that's just me. But I think the reality and uncovering that is my why. Mm -hmm. And I think that for a salesperson, what your why needs to be is, again, maybe you're spiritual, maybe you're not. But I think the reality is when you're given that opportunity, can you make an abundance of it? That needs to be a why. Because I think for you to untap your potential, you have to tell yourself, like I said, not thinking less of yourself, but thinking about yourself less that becomes more easy, more natural to think of that stuff for me to be a little bit creepy and see Kevin go off on a rant about what LeBron has done. I like that took personal time, right? Yeah, I'm yeah. not checking Instagram during the day again, right? Like social media is great for leads. I'm just going to say that out there. No matter what business you're in, you're going to find leads on social media. But that being said, I don't park it and tell my boss, yeah, I spent four hours in a you know bougie coffee shop in downtown Dallas, just looking at Instagram, looking at roofers. Yeah, like absolutely not. I took personal time where I'm just chilling in bed or I'm chilling watching TV to be like, oh, let's see what. Yeah, okay, cool. That's what's going on. So to answer that question, what's my why? My why is that I'd be given not just to give back to my family, but to give back to what the Lord has given me, and that's just me. And again, I, I know for everybody that 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 answer that question looks a little bit different. Yeah. But I think that the true drive, the true that part that comes out of a true person of humility, a true salesperson is that they don't reek this commission breath of it's all about me. I want a Lambo. I want a house because guess what? Like I'll never forget this. We could probably get into this too. I have a lot of respect for Tom Brady, not just because he's in my fantasy this year, but because <laughs> the man, like he, he refuses to lose yeah. to a point of where he's in his forties and he's still playing football. And most guys his age are you know, in the booth. But the reality is I'll never forget that. I think he had won his fourth Super Bowl, and he literally, they were asking like, Tom Brady, you've won your first Super Bowl. Like, what is it? And he's like, I don't know. Like, what is next? Like, and again, maybe it was a joke, but it, it sank to me because he's like, I don't know. Is there more than this? Right? At that time, or maybe it was the fourth or fifth, you know, most Super Bowls ever won by a quarterback has all these records, and he's like craving more. Yeah, right. And yeah. again, part of that, we could get into that too, but that's just his addiction to the process, to winning, to 100%. being the best. But I think if we go back to the sales role, like at some point in time, you need to have your why, because in that moment, again, it's just an interview, right? Maybe he was just tired, joking around, whatever, but you need to know that you fulfilled your why. Yeah. And I think that if you constantly feel like you're chasing it, it doesn't have to be the money. It doesn't have to be being number one, whatever it is you're going to go through life pretty unhappy. You might be a damn good sales guy. 100%. You're going to be unhappy. unsatisfied. So here's the, sure. here's the segue to my next question. Because I firmly believe that. I believe that you can attain many of your sales goals, many of the milestones that you have in mind. I want to accomplish this. I want to earn this. I want to gain this. I want to drive this. I want to live here. Those can happen, and you can still consistently be unhappy. And I believe, in my opinion, that unhappiness comes from your inability to satisfy your true desire, what you really want. Now, I'm not going to say, hey, if I really want this, I don't also want this car or also want to be able to, to, to take you know, my lady out and splurge on that. I'm not saying that those won't be true desires, but that won't be the one, the why. So, the, so you know, what I want to ask you, right, how do you, how do you establish what that is, that one big one? Because you're telling us, Hey, you know, here's, here's what my why is. When did you discover that? How did you discover that? How did you uncover that in your particular life? When did it click to you, to Travis, this is what I'm here for? What rabbit hole did you have to walk down? 
Yeah, I would say, uh, man, it took me about, I think I was maybe like 19, right? I was on that door-to-door internship by myself, beating doors, um, and I won't get super into it, but just short, long story short, I got held at gunpoint because I was in Southeast Ohio, and people in Southeast Ohio. Them Ohioans, man. Yeah, <laughs> man. They don't see a lot of people with color in their skin, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. they thought I was you know, dealing drugs, whatever, but... I, I'll, I'll say this humbly. I'll never forget. I was sitting in my like piece of shit, 1997 Honda Civic stick shift, like thing, like going uphill. I had to downshift so the thing wouldn't die. And it did <laughs> die sometimes. Like that's how ghetto it was that choking was. out on you. huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's how ghetto that thing was. But I'll never forget. I was sitting in Southeast Ohio in the middle of nowhere. No, no cell service. Dude cussing me out, holding me at gunpoint. And I'll never like, I think where I discovered my why was in that om- in that moment when I was in tears, I realized like, why am I doing this? Right. Mm-hmm. So then I started getting real deep on myself and this was all in a matter of 10 minutes. It felt like a lifetime, but it was like We're 10 in the car. minutes. Yeah. Okay. It was 10 minutes. Cause I was sitting in the car. I'd backed out of this dude's driveway, obviously, but I'd like gone down the street to like, cause I was in the County. Right. So like, there is no, like you didn't walk, you drove. Yeah. So, but anyway, just to give some, a picture to those listening, but that being said, I, I remember this is all, like I said, 10 minutes or so I sat there and thought like, okay, why am I going to college? Like, why am I pursuing a sales internship? Like sales is slimy. Like, you know, we think use car salesmen, like yep. just say whatever it says to make the sale and just get it done. And when I, that moment, again, it doesn't have to be this life altering moment where I literally could have been shot. Right. But for me, it was a moment where I, where I saw myself have an opportunity to like cower to a weakness, mm-hmm. to the voices in my head, that own worst enemy, or had a chance to level up and make a decision that, hey, the reason why I'm doing this is because ultimately I think I can serve others, serve this world, serve other people, serve the kingdom of God better because I have a gift, right? I have a gift to be able to sell. Absolutely. And I think that even if you're a salesperson, you're like, man, I just took the sales job just because it seemed convenient. You were given a gift. You were given an opportunity, no matter what you believe in, whether you believe in the Big Bang, whether you believe in God, whether you believe in some sort of weird metaverse, whatever, you were given an opportunity some way, somehow. Mm-hmm. So you owe it not only to yourself, but to those around you to make the best of it. And so I think that for me, when did I realize it? I realized it when I was in a moment of weakness. Mm -hmm. So for me, I had to get broken down. That's just my personality. That's not everybody. Some people might see that in their success. Some people like maybe like me where they see that in their weakness. I was at my weakest point. I had made no sales that week. It was a Thursday. I remember it to this day. It was a Thursday in July, hot as hell. The days are long. I hadn't made a sale. And at that moment I realized, is this for me? And then I went back to a fundamental basic of control the controllables, yeah. control my attitude. Very next door, I made a sale. Ten minutes later. Had been literally held at gunpoint the next one I made a sale. And the, the reason why I discovered my why there is because I took the opportunity. Where I was like, okay, I've been given the opportunity. Lord, what should I do with it, right? Mm-hmm. That was just me. I know that's not everybody's story. But I, I think that at some point, it doesn't have to be life-shattering. You have to have that discovery moment is what I'll call it. You have to have a discovery moment of why am I doing this, and if I'm given this opportunity, what am I doing with it? Yeah. Well, what I believe is you, similar to what you're explaining, you have to see what we refer to as the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And for men like us, religious men, our bigger picture, I believe, and, I, and I'm sure you do as well, is very God-ordained. Mm-hmm. I, I do believe we were placed on this earth for the mission to grow into what God intends us to be to fulfill the purpose that he's given us when he put us on this earth. 
Mm-hmm. A lot of people depict that in many different fashions, in many different ways that don't believe in God. Regardless of your belief system, whether it's universal or coincidental or whatever, whatever you know, you believe the origin of life came from. There, I just cannot wrap my head around it all being random. Like we were all just random, and my skill sets and attributes are different than yours, right? I want to make very clear. There's a huge difference between talent and skills. Skill is something that I have worked for. I've spent time. I've studied. I have practiced. But I have God-given talents. Or I have, for those of you who may not be as religious as the two of us, you have innate talents. Mm -hmm. You have things. You know, Steve Harvey explains it in such a phenomenal way. It is the thing that you do best with the least amount of effort. That is your innate talent. You know, for me in particular... My fundamental organization is something that I believe is such a blessing, and it comes extremely easy to me, you know, and it comes in some, some negative fashions is in the form of OCD, which I've had to just yeah. accept, yeah. but I have severe OCD. You know, I can't even go to bed if the pillows are crooked or my cover still on the couch, but I have, a, I have adapted that that is an innate talent. It's a God-given ability that I have, and I'm not going to shy away from that. I have to utilize that and what my mission and purpose in this earth is. Even if I believe in that very moment what I'm doing is circumstantial or it's temporary. Even if I'm in a position to just climb the socioeconomic ladder, and this is not my end game, I still have to play it at the highest level. That's my personal belief system. You've got to, you, just like you're saying, you have to take your opportunities and you've got to run with them. Mm-hmm. You know, I have my greatest fear in life. I have two greatest fears in life. Number one is that I get to God, and this is an irrational one. I've told some very, very, very sharp people, and they're like, Kev, you got to stop thinking that way, but I'm just going to be candid. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid I get to God, and my resume is not equivalent to my potential. And, and the people are like, Kev, dude, you're doing a great job. Like, but I know the potential he gave me. No one else on earth knows that. No, all the people who tell me, Kev, you're doing a great you don't know the potential. You don't know what burns in my soul. I believe my, and I'm going to say this publicly and it may seem arrogant, I believe my potential is unmatched. I'm not saying that I'm going to be the best there ever is, although I kind of believe that. You know, I believe the potential he's given me, the desire he's given me, I've just, I don't believe anyone has that. Now, I'm not saying I'm better than you. I'm not. I'm, I'm far from it. But I believe my potential is unmatched and I'm afraid, direly scared that I get to God and I'm like, God, Here's 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 what you gave me. Here's what you put on you put me on earth with. Mm-hmm. And you know, I didn't do that much. I'm yeah. terrified of that. And the yeah. second terror I have is more human, it's more uh, earthly, is that I get to the end. And I think people take for granted how short life is. Because we don't talk about it, right? Your upbringing, mm-hmm. you're exposed to the things and they give you your state of mind. I believe in our our lifetime, we don't talk about the end enough. Because it's, it's gloomy. It's dark. It is. But if you really understood at 20 years old, 18 years old, 16 years old, there's a possibility that you only make it to 60, 70. The average lifespan in America is in its 80s. If you really take that into account, you're going to grasp. I don't have that much time. And I do believe people waste too much time. You can't. You can't. Listen, this is my firm belief. If you pick up a job. Any job, sales position, career, let's say you're just knocking doors or you're flipping burgers. If you're going to spend six months, a year, two years, 20 years, doesn't matter. You're, you, you have to play it at the top of your potential. Because again, where you start the game at 18, it's not your fault. It's your upbringing. Mm-hmm. 
it, it, it's your responsibility. It's not your fault. And typically, statistically, where you are at the age of about 65 is where you are. I know some 65-year-old guys who are changing their life, but the vast majority of people, where you are at 65 is kind of where you end. That's when retirement begins, and the money you got is probably the money you're going to live off of. Now, I'm not saying you can't do some investments, but it's just not many. It's not very active. So when you really boil that down from 18 to 65, you have 47 years. You have 47 years to make something happen. If you wasted one year of your life at a sales job and you just kind of, you know, you dabbled, right? You're a person number one. You just kind of showed up, you know, did your thing. You had yeah. your habits. They weren't very conducive to your success. You're not really running the play. You're just kind of like, eh, whatever. In that moment, it may not seem like a big deal, but that's one of 67. You only got 67 years. You only got 67 years to play this game at the highest level. And in a year, you didn't grow, you didn't get better, you didn't get sharper, you didn't do much. It just kind of just, it just happened. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got, I've got a real strong belief. Either you run the day or the day runs you, period, point blank. You either choose how you want this day to go and you run it, or you're very, you know, reactive to what happens in the day runs you. My question for you, because what I want to clarify is you're an extremely successful person in an extremely successful industry at one of the top uh, distribution companies in America. These guys literally had a freaking bowl game, which was a pretty awesome yeah. to see. Yeah. What's your day? If you wake up in the morning, walk me through your day in the life of being Travis. Yeah, this is a fun one. Man, so, I mean, every day it's 5 o'clock. Uh, 5 o'clock, no matter what. Yeah, no matter what. I mean, uh I mean, the weekends I'm a little bit different, but that's, you know, yeah. that's just because I like, I, I'll go to bed a little bit later, spend the time with my wife, kiddo, whatever. But I mean, every day it's 5 a.m. And again, this is, you know, this is me. And then maybe we can dive into this if you're like, hey, man, hold on, talk about that. But, uh, you know, 5 a.m. every day, get up, do whatever, right? Put my contacts in, get dressed, whatever. But then for the first 30 to 45 minutes, I'll have a cup of coffee and I'll spend time in the Word. And I spend time reading. Sometimes it's, you know, most of the time it's my Bible. And then usually I'll spend about half that time reading either like a daily uh, meditation. Okay, so 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 you're, you woke up, you got your coffee. You're, where are we at? We're in the living room? We're in the bedroom? We're in the living room. Okay, so we're, we're in the living we're, room. We're in the living room. Wife's I'm asleep. sitting in my chair. Everyone's asleep. It's okay. only me. Lamp on. I'm reading. Okay. That's the first thing I do. So just to be clear, the first thing I do, coffee, reading. I don't check my phones. I'll unplug them. Intentionally. Yes. I'll unplug my phones. I'll take them with me. I'll, I'll see it, right? But, I mean, I'm not unlocking it. Oh, I see it. And going through things. Yeah. Like, if you had texted me at, like, 3 a.m. just randomly, like, hey, bro, I need you to check on this. Honestly, I'm going to tell you right then, not checking it until 6 a.m. Gotcha. 6 a.m. is when I will turn it on. Okay. If someone starts calling me, I might look and be like, damn, why are they calling me this early? Like, yeah, something's yeah. not right. Yeah. But most of the time, I know for a fact that between 5 a.m. and 6 a.m. Central Standard Time, I'm not going to be bothered. I'm reading. It can wait. I use that th first 30 minutes to read, and then I eat. I eat breakfast, whatever. And then at 6 a.m., that's when, like, the day transfers, right? That's okay. when I go into work mode, 6 a.m. And then from there, depending on the day, what I have, I mean, again, look, this is just me. I'm a big Starbucks nut. I don't know why. Their coffee ain't that great. It is what it is. Man, but you're I'll one of them. Huh? Uh, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but whether it's there or sometimes it's there, sometimes it's breakfast with the customer, I leave the house because I know that I want to be on the phone. I know that I don't. I, I have enough respect. Question. I get that concept. I want to get sure. out the house. I want to get active. What if you have nothing? What if you have nowhere to go? What if there's nothing on the schedule? Do you still leave? Oh, yeah. I still leave no matter what okay. because the reality is I need to be ready to go when it calls. Okay. Right. When the opportunity calls, 
reality is let's just like, let's just back up in time, right? Pretend that you and I have never done business together, right? I want to be ready to be like, oh yeah, man, I can squeeze that in. Chill, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can meet you in the next 30 minutes when you don't realize I might be only 20 minutes from your office yeah. already because yeah. I'm not sitting at home. And again, nothing against the guys that have, an, that have an at-home office. That's fine. That's just me. Typically, I hit there. I'll go early. And again, a lot of times, it's just because I like Starbucks, whatever. Pick your coffee shop or just pick your home office. There's nothing wrong with it. Time I out. do that. I'm going to continue there, yeah. but I want to ask one question. Sure. There's so many of these Starbucks nuts out there. Shout out John Anthony, man, who spends so much money on these nitro cold brews and got me They're hooked good. on nitro cold They're brews. Good. Shout out John A. But the question I have yeah. for you, is it is it the habit? Is it that you genuinely like Starbucks? What is it? Because I'm not I'm not big on it. I won't do it. And the reason I won't do it, I bought a Keurig. I've got a Keurig. I've got a whole coffee yeah. station, a very nice coffee yeah, station nice. for the record. Yeah. But the question I do have is, is it a habit? Is it that you like it? Is it a habit. ritual? Okay. Habit. It's habit. Like, uh, I mean, look, most people understand, like, we can all make a better cup of coffee at home. Like, I can see some of the, you know, flavors you have. Those are better I have the than Starbucks flavor, actually. Yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> right, get one after. But that being said, it's the habit. I make sure that I'm out of the house between 630 and 635, let's call it, every single day. It's a habit, Right. And then by then, if I don't have a breakfast meeting scheduled with somebody, yeah. I know for a fact who I'm going to hit and at what time I'm going to hit them at, right? And again, look, it's sales, right? Sometimes you go there, they're not there, right? Whatever. That's fine. But the reality is you at some point have to love the process and trust it and just keep showing up. Yeah. I don't structure my day around you, right? I mean, again, look, if we have a meeting, we have a meeting. Like you said earlier, if, if, if I have a commitment, if I've allotted that time to have lunch with Kevin, then mm-hmm. I'm having lunch with Kevin. Yeah. But the reality is if you're a salesperson and you say, well, I just, I don't think he's going to be there. Or, you know, one time I drove by his office and it doesn't seem like I ever see his truck or, you know, ah, man, I just like, it'd be easier if I just keep driving and call him and catch his voicemail. Those are all excuses. That's, you know, that's that whole devil on this shoulder, angel on this shoulder. You have to get to a point where you realize that, I mean, honestly, I don't listen to either one. The good one that's like, yeah, you can do this. Or the one that's like, no, you can't just stay home, whatever. It it comes through a mental breakthrough where you're driving yourself, right? You're telling yourself you're going to do something. So again, for me, it's trust. I like the process, right? And, and, and again, I, I like the, the ritual, the commitment, if, if you will, usually lunch meeting, usually, you know, there's a, there's a downtime where I kind of catch up on phone calls to the next one. I'd say that usually typically, unless it's, unless it's set in stone, I usually don't take many meetings after about three, three thirty. Okay. Because the reality is for us, again, this is just my business. We close at four thirty. I like to be able to call the store call my customers, make sure that any little things, this is like what I was saying earlier, that sort of the, Oh shit moments. Like, Oh man, you know, uh, I, I, I need to do this or I need to do that. You know? And again, that's just my business specific. Yeah. Right. Because again, like I'm constantly inspiring others, but this is a whole other conversation of sales is how do you inspire the others around you? If you have a team that's inside sales management, where their paychecks and their pay and their time is not, you know, they're thinking the nine to five, if you will. Yeah. Uh, how do you motivate that? That's a whole other thing. But just again, back to my day, I, I guess if we were to sum it all up, right up at 5 a.m., go, like I said earlier, two to three meetings a day, right? Finish that last one ideally around three so that I have about an hour and a half, two hours, right? Then I go work out. And again, the whole workout, I'm probably on the phone. 
Like, I'm the most annoying guy at my Texas Family Fitness over here on Mockingbird. If you're in Dallas, don't go to Texas Family Fitness and talk yeah. to me. You'll hate me because most likely I'm on the phone and people are like, man, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, man, yep, okay, yep. You know, I'm that guy because yeah. I'm still working. Oh, hold on, man. I'm. I, let me get off the squat rack real quick. Let me – yeah, I got that. Okay, yeah, yep, yep, yeah, 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 no yep. problem. And then, again, go home, have dinner. And, again, usually when I get home, it's about 6.30, my wife would say. Sometimes it's real bad, 7, 7.30. But the reality is – it, to when you say, hey, you've answered my guys at 8 o'clock before, you've texted them back at 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock at night, the reality is there is, again, back to making those choices, I make a commitment that when I'm having dinner, I eat dinner with my family, I look at my wife in the eye and I have a conversation with her, and even though my daughter is only 18 months old, I'm sitting there, I'm looking at her in her high chair, I'm having that conversation. If I hear my phone ring, it, I mean, look, you, it doesn't matter how much you buy from me, I'm not going to answer in that time yeah. because the reality is if something was that important, I just laid out my day for you. I'm willing to answer the phone from what did I say? Six 30 to about six 30 at night. That is 12 hours of my day. If you have made the decision that I need to be available to you for 20, 30, I mean, maybe it's just two minutes mm-hmm. between seven o'clock and maybe like seven 30 at night. You need 30 minutes of my 24 hours because you didn't prioritize. That's just not my problem. So the question that I have, right, and I appreciate that you've got you've got this large scale window of availability, and you've basically made the commitment to your wife that I make these choices and this is how I precedent my time. Mm-hmm. So she knows you. Have you made it clear to her that dinner time I will take no interruptions? Is, oh, yeah. is that something she's aware of? Oh yeah. So this was a part of what I would call. I'm not going to use it in its in its literal sense, but I would call it the agreement, the agreement that you guys made on your operating. This is this is completely undisputed time that you have of mine. That's that's a part of it, I assume. Oh, 100%. Okay. And that gives her the peace of mind that she's still uh, she's still a priority in your life. Oh, yeah. And, I and, mean and, and, I mean like again, this this could go into again, this is just me, but like for example, like this Tuesday, right? Mm-hmm. There's actually going to be a little bit more time. There's going to be about 2 hours you can't reach me because it's date night. The first Tuesday of every single month I go on a date with my wife. We have a little Mexican joint we like. We like to go there. And then same we like spot? To, oh, yeah, same spot. Real good. Margaritas are good. <laughs> I, can, I can sit down, eat. Shout out to El Vecino over in East Dallas. They can. I can sit down, eat, and be gone in 45 minutes. Maybe that's why I like it. But I will literally leave my phone in the truck. I'll sit there. I'll check it real quick when we get back in the truck. And then mm-hmm. we'll go over to White Rock Lake. And I'll go on a walk for maybe a mile, maybe two. just depends if it's freezing cold like it is today in Dallas. And, uh, and just talk with my wife. And the reality is what I, what I tell people in a conversation that I've had to have with some of my customers is, hey, man, I do one date night with my wife once a month where for two hours, sometimes even less if like maybe she doesn't feel good or, or I don't feel good or whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. I've made that commitment and that choice to her because the reality is that's time that I've committed, right? Yeah. And again, I could get real deep into this, but I just want to say this too. I'm also the kind of person, too, where if you and I are going to lunch, let's say it's a business lunch, right? Mm -hmm. If you notice, I'll put my phone down, face down, on vibrate. You cannot see who's calling me. And most likely, if if we're in a restaurant, I'm probably not going to hear it buzzing either. Because the reality is, let's just say that you're like a small customer, potential customer to me, right? I don't care. I mean, look, I do care my biggest customers call me. That's important, right? That's me. Right? Yeah, right? (laughs) But, But the reality is, at that moment, if you're in sales, the most important most important person right then is sitting right in front of me. Man, so look, I want to give a quick shout out, man. I that lesson I learned 
this year. And I don't even say this year. I mean within the last 90 days. Shout out Brandon Pogue, man. This dude took me to lunch, right? And I want to first announce publicly. This dude's entire relationship in my life is because God put him here to speak to me about my future. I, he, he invited me to lunch after a group. I'm in a, I'm in a group called Kingdom Business Leaders. Amazing group uh, through Gateway Church. If you don't have a church, Gateway Church. Um, and we're in this group, and he invites me to lunch. Actually, it was breakfast because we had just left. Know, it was like one, but we had breakfast. Yeah. And he said, Kev, who's the most important person in your life? And I started thinking, and I'm like, man, who's the most important person? And he's like, you're wrong. If you're thinking that hard, you're wrong. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, I'm the most important person in your life. Mind you, I met this dude 15 minutes ago. Yeah. I'm like, dude, I don't even know your last name. And he's like, the most, and he, said, he said, I learned this from a great mentor, and I'm going to teach this to you now. The most important person in your life is the person that you're sitting with in this very moment. There may be people at high priority if you're speaking to me in this very moment, I'm the most important person in your life, in my opinion. But outside of that realm, that circumstance, your wife is probably up there. And there's probably some people who take higher precedence the moment we're done with this conversation. But when you're sitting in front of someone, they are the most important person in your life in that temporary moment. Mm-hmm. And I believe that. And listen, I want an amazing lesson I've just recently learned. And as you can see, the entire concept of the show is for me to keep learning because I don't think I'm good enough. But. That was a phenomenal lesson that I really think applies to sales at a high level. That guy in front of you, similar to what you're saying, they're the most important person, whether it's small fish, big fish, shark, or, or the leader of the ocean. They're important. They're the most important, and, they've got, and you've got to give them your undivided attention, and that's similar to what you're talking about, right? Oh, yeah. So, okay, so, you know, you've, you've given your time to the wife. It's 8 o'clock. You know, dinner's done. Then what? Is it just bedtime? We're going to sleep. Eight o'clock. You one of those guys? No, no, no. I mean, I am. I yeah. I used to be a night owl, but yeah. No, typically after that, like it's checking up on that stuff, right? That is where I take those phone calls. That is where I send those texts. That is where I send those emails. Like you've seen it from me. I've seen emails from you. But you know, the difference is when I have that commitment, right? Like I do that. I do bath time, bedtime, whatever it is with the kiddo. But the reality is, I get back to it. Hit what I need to hit. And then the reality is there's a certain point in time. I usually say about 10 o'clock because mm-hmm. I've, I've told everyone now that I wake up at 5 a.m. To me, it's one big thing that I think my wife helps me realize and that I think that as a salesperson, you have to realize where, look, I don't want to say this to be colorful, but just to be truth is there's a huge difference in being there for somebody and it sounds harsh, but just being their bitch. Yeah. I mean, and I don't mean that to sound harsh, but the reality is like, if you started calling me at 1130 tonight and you called me one time, you know, I might be like, ah, oh, damn, I miss Kev. I might just shoot you a text. Right. Mm-hmm. And let's, this is even me as a new salesperson, right? Like let's pretend like you're the biggest customer in DFW. And I'm like, oh man, like Kevin Ebbs called me. Like I got to answer that. But the reality is just be, let's just say that you were calling me about some sort of emergency, right? And it's 1030 at night and I'm already like literally laying in bed. I got my glasses on. I'm reading a book. My wife's sitting there, you know, half asleep. I think that one thing that salespeople need to realize is that just because a lack of preparation on your part, and I'm talking about not you, but the literal you part doesn't demand performance on my part. And that's something that I learned from my wife is this isn't a, a or sorry, not demand command performance response. Because the reality is if you texted me something simple, let's just get it back to, you know, the roofing business guys. So if he, if Kevin texts me and says, Hey man, like, do you have this black shingle at 1130 at night? I can chalk that up. And again, this is my knowledge, but anybody, his mind's just racing. He's just thinking 
it's not going to hurt him if, like I said, just to explain I my day. I got that information in the morning. If you got it at 6 a.m., your mind's just running. Because yeah. what are the realities that your customer is sitting there in the living room with you at it's 10? Not, it's not. Exactly. It's not. And, and I think that that's something that some people have to like wake up and kind of realize sometimes is like, what is a command performance in any sales role? Right, you have to discover that, and you learn it as you go. Sometimes you get your teeth kicked in, you do stuff you shouldn't do. But what, when is it a command performance, and when is it an opportunity? Where, for example, in my day that we've now explained, I just, I just shut it down. You have to have something that shuts it down, right? Like, there, right now, my wife and I. This is a whole other conversation, but right now, one thing we really love is we love getting in bed and we like watching the so, the show Succession, right? Succession. Yeah, have you seen that? No, I've it's no on HBO Max. It's Freaking nuts. It's I have like, HBO Max. I never open it. Yeah. Everyone keeps telling me about these shows on HBO Max. Yeah. My, my business partners, Anthony and John A, keep talking about this doggone show on HBO Max. can't even remember the name of it because I've never watched it, but I don't yeah. open my HBO Max. So, so I've, got, yeah. I've got a question. I've got, actually, I've got a few because now you've you got me going, but we're going to wrap shortly. Sure. That's your vice, right? I believe every high-performing individual in the, in, the, in the marketplace, whether that's sales, if you own a business, if you, if you own a small one-man band, you do have to have a vice. You have to have something that allows you to take the stress off of your day. You're, you're in high demand on a daily basis. Sure. People need you. People are counting on you. There's a lot of pressure you live in. You have to have a vice. Is that what you're saying your vice is or the vice of your relationship? I would say so too, but I think that like part of what your vice has to be has to come from not just a like you gave, you gave a perfect example of that, right? Like it's different, right? Everybody's in different stages of life. Mm -hmm. But I think that, you know, as my mind gets going on this, right? Like I, we could have a whole other conversation about it. But I think that at some point in time, not getting back to that innately waking up with it, mm -hmm. but also to like having a little bit of something that just, I don't like saying tethers you to reality because there's that Jordan, Jordan Peterson podcast with Joe Rogan and everybody freaking shares it. The whole, you should be an absolute monster, yeah. right? And they say, no, or he says, no, you should be an absolute monster, and then you should learn how to control it. That's exactly what you've shown me about this, about you and this thing, right? I've learned something about you, right? Like, your mind is constantly going, right? Like, it might be 2.30 in the morning. You're like, oh, man, I should get some shut-eye. I got to play basketball at 5.30. I yeah. want to win. Yeah. No, F that. I'm going to get up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grind on this, right? And then I'm going to just show up anyway. Right? Yeah, I'm going to show up anyway, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But the reality is, like, that, like, it's not that you have to have a way to uh, – tether you to reality because i don't like that but what i tell people is you have to have something that gives you peace you have to have something you have to have something that just gives you the ability to relax mentally right because again like look like you said if you don't believe in it that's fine but like on the seventh day what did jesus do or i'm sorry not jesus but god yeah he rested exactly you and i need rest in some short shape or way i'm the same as you man if it was up to me and I had like been there like God's right hand man, I've been like, hey man, we don't need to sleep. Like we'll sleep when we're dead, homie. Yeah. We'll sleep when we're dead. Yeah. You know, but that that would have been me. Cause I would love it if I could go twenty four hours a day, never sleep. Yeah. And my wife would probably sit here and be shaking her head like with her hand over her face because she'd be like, No, seriously, like Trav would literally trade off sleeping for anything else. I would too. I, I mean I I love that idea, but it's not realistic. But again, not the sleep, but there has to be a way for peace. And, and I peace. think specifically in sales roles, 
There needs to be something, a place of happiness, a place of joy where you find peace. It can be working out. It can be time spending time with your wife and kiddo. It can be literal sleep. It can be a Netflix show, whatever, reading a book, whatever it is. You have to have that because it helps, you know, it, I'm real big too that sales is, you know, you know, spiritual, mental, and physical. Mm-hmm. You got to be able to work out. Like, I'm sorry, you got to be able to take care of your body. Right. Maybe that just means you're going to walk. Maybe it means you lift a ton of weights. I don't care. You got to take care of yourself mentally. How are you getting sharper? Are you reading books? Are you surrounding yourself with others that build you up? If I walk in a room, I want to be the dumbest one here between you and me. I hope that I am the dumbest one here. I'm pretty sure that I am, but that's okay. (laughs) And then the third one is spiritual. What are you doing? What are you doing that helps revitalize yourself? Right. That gives you that newfound energy because you and I both know that you can be physically exhausted and still find a way to find six gear. Absolutely. And, and that's just, that's part of it. So part of that vice is how do you find that rest? Well, one of the things I think people miss is your mind is a muscle, you know, maybe not in its literal sense, but it's a muscle and all muscles require rest. If mm-hmm. I, I challenge people to consider it in a way that they can best understand, which in our day and age, the world we live in, we best understand our bodies. We, we understand our bodies far more than we understand our minds and far more than we understand our spirit. The body is the one that we, we grasp. There's science behind it. There's understanding. Mm-hmm. There's studies. There's, there's tests. There's trials. There's so much more, right? Mm-hmm. Versus what we've learned about the mind, which is such a convoluted, complex thing that we don't know yet. And the spirit, which we have not even tapped into, although we understand it. If you worked out every day, for what I would say in, in, in his story, he's, he's depicting the fact that he utilizes his mind at a high level for roughly 14 to 16 hours a day. If you worked out for 14 to 16 hours a day, every single day, and you never gave your mind or your, excuse me, your body what, what you're referring to as peace, the time to allow itself to rejuvenate itself, to get back into a shape of 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 health to then be used again well then you're going to have a problem you're going to you're going to result in exhaustion it's going to happen you can't run all day every day you just can't you've got to rest and i don't think people put enough time into that mentally we're using our brains and we're trying to to learn and grow and change and apply it in our industries and our success and what we do but how much of it are you purposely using to give it rest or peace in what you're saying. And I think that is a huge area of opportunity in the marketplace that you have to have very intentional rest. And and you're referring to it as peace, something that gives you that peace of mind that, okay, it's, it's, it's winding down for me to be able to use it again tomorrow. Oh, hundred percent. This isn't limitless, right? We all love that movie. I bet you would agree too. If I was like Bradley Cooper and I could at the, at the end where he discovers he could take one pill and just, you know, hundred percent maximum capacity all the time, because apparently his humans, we only use 30% of our brain, but no, to your point, like I ran the Dallas marathon three weeks ago, right? Exactly. Three weeks ago to the day. I'm look, I'm not going to Boston, right? I did it in three hours and 30 something minutes, right? Yeah. That shit hurt, man. Like, when I crossed the finish line, I kept jogging, and then I got to where they gave me the warm blanket and the coconut water or whatever, and I'm like, I I remember sitting there and, like, I mean, I've never felt that tightness and that pain in my body, and that was just for three hours. So to highlight your point, if I'm mentally, I've already admitted it, right? I'm trying to think, what am I doing as value time? I use some of the 
the non, let's call it right brain, left brain, whatever, some of the like less critical thinking part of my brain to mm. solve the oh crap moments. That's just looking something up that I already know. Yeah. Whatever. But that being said, if I'm still using my brain between high function, so let's just call that like low rep heavyweight, yeah. and then high rep low weight, I'm still using my brain in that function, right? Yeah. We all can conceptually understand working out. If I'm doing that for, again, let's subtract working out because that's kind of mindless when I'm checking stuff. Let's just pretend like when I'm driving, I'm not thinking that hard. I'm still using it for 10 to 12 hours a day. I mean, I just told you that I ran a marathon in three-ish hours. Let's just pretend like I walked it and doubled my time. So that's seven hours. That's still short. And I told you I was in physical pain for like three days. Like I looked like a paraplegic. I lifted (laughs) my legs and shit. So that being said, like you have to find that way to, to give yourself a revitalization, to give yourself peace. Because your brain needs it too, yeah, right? Absolutely. Whether it's your, you know, like I said, phys, you know, it's physical, it's physical, it's spiritual, it's mental. You have to use all parts of your body. Because I mean, for sales, if you think it's a game, then like I said, have fun making eighty to one hundred k a year. That's great. I, I'm not knocking that, you know. But then you'll be the person that has all that untapped potential, and you never tapped into it. So let me ask you this: a question that I have in the sales industry: What is the number one trait? <laughs> That I can that I can either come in with, or do my best to allocate my energy towards gra- get grasping to excel in sales. What is that trait in your opinion? And it does not have to be what yours is. Sure, but generalized, what is it? It's hard work. You, I mean, and I don't know that there's a the good trait for that. But it, I mean, let's just call it perseverance. How about that? Right, you have to persevere through the hard shit. Because the reality is when I started, I was terrible. I was terrible. Thank God I didn't meet Kevin Ebbs in Design Roofing when I was started because he'd be like, man, oh, dude. Jump ship. Yeah, man. I got to go. Man, he would have <laughs> ate my lunch. But the reality is a lot of guys did eat my lunch, and that's fine. And I've come back and either won those, lost those, whatever. But the reality is, you know, if you're so obsessed with the wins and loss columns that you don't have perseverance to tough through, I mean, again, anybody that's either starting a sales role you know, uh, maybe they're struggling in it, been it for let's just call it less than a year. Perseverance is the biggest thing. You have to love the process, right? You know, you're going to be in pain. Just go get the reward. That's what I told myself. I mean, a huge thing I learned about myself in this marathon was if you're already in pain, you, you might as well finish. Right. And that, I think that's so applicable to sales. It sucks. People literally will they'll literally cuss you out. They'll tell you they're not, you know, and sometimes they're just like, I'm not interested, but maybe they're, you know, a jerk about it. Whatever it is, you have to be so, uh, you have to have tunnel vision to perseverance, right? Mm -hmm. To realize that like, I've come this far, I'm going to get the reward. Eventually you'll figure out because it doesn't matter what sales realm you're in. The reality is there's probably a lot of potential, right? And I mean, again, he knows in our industry, there are thousands of contractors. So there's plenty that'll screw up even to this day, I'll screw up, I'll mess up, I won't get that customer, but the reality is there's somebody else. I have to have perseverance, I have to keep my attitude right, I have to keep my mind right. Well, that's sales in general. Here's the sure. thing that I want to clarify as we saw Guys, there is unlimited amount of clients. And oh, yeah. you're gonna and, and the one thing I think is what people have to grasp, failures are inevitable. I think people put too much pressure on themselves, negative pressure for failures. I have failed plenty of times in my life. I failed and I have misstepped 
all the time. I make plenty of missteps. I, I, I can acknowledge in the year 2021, which ended 48 hours ago, I made plenty of missteps in my businesses. I've lost employees that I shouldn't have lost. Mm-hmm. There are people that I wish I could go back and go, man, how can I make this right? And how can I keep you here? We all make mistakes. It's inevitable and it's a part of the process in growing. And I think people, similar to myself, man, were so determined to win or maybe more driven around not losing that those losses hurt, man. I've, I've, I've not slept because of some losses. There, I'm telling you, and I'll say it publicly, I've lost a couple guys in my roofing company. And I've hurt, man. I've hurt. I've physically hurt like as if a girlfriend left me. Like hurting, man. Like in the shower, like, fuck, man. Like, how did I not, how did I fuck that up? Like, it hurts. But then there were moments where the maturity kicks in and great mentors say good things where they're like, Kev, it's a part of it. You got to, you can't love winning. Like, you can love winning, but that can't be your driving factor. You've got to love the process of winning. And part of the process is losing. Part of the process, listen, there are many quotes in the sports. I love sports. I love sports. I love learning from sports. I love watching sports to gather the mindset of winning. There are lessons you will learn in losing that you will not learn in winning. There are lessons of how strong you are and how much adversity you can handle that you will only know from losing. It's when you lose and the locker room is sad that you find out who you truly are. Just like what you explained earlier, you found out your drive in that car, that Honda Civic, at the toughest point in life. So I encourage everyone watching this and listening, if you're not in the place you want to be, if you're in a tough moment of life, if you're failing in your eyes, this might be where you absolutely need to be to really get the things that are going to then catapult your career. You know, Travis, I want to tell you, man, working with you in the last 24 months, seeing your success, you know, seeing where you came from, hearing the story about your, your beginnings and, and, and where you started to now the fact that you, you showed up in a Rolex and a nice trimmer F-150, it's, it's astonishing, man. The, 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 the question I want to sum with, how much and how important, and don't, don't just tell me what I want to hear, how important were the losses? It was huge, man. Because I think, like, you hit the nail on the head. Like, not only is it about, you know, I don't learn anything from winning, right? Like, the win is cool, right? But the reality is when, we, in sales specifically, you plan to win, right? Mm-hmm. Like, l- like, listen, like, anybody you out here listening to this, when you are in sales, when you plan to win, you know what that customer's volume is. You know what it is that they're buying. You know what products. You know what margin they're going to make. You know what uh, expected commission most likely you're going to make. And so the reality is you already have it calculated, right? But when you lose, suddenly all the wheels are spinning of, oh, shit, I didn't expect that to happen, right? Or maybe you, maybe you weren't sure. Maybe it was 50-50. But for me, like, like I said, my why and uh, why I wanted to be in sales and what I realized that I wanted to do came from a huge loss. I mean, listen, man, like when I, when I saw that and that opportunity, I realized that I've learned more about myself in losing than I ever have in winning. I learned about humility when I was in, I mean, shit, the first lesson that I learned about humility, I was in fifth grade and I forgot that at after halftime, you switch ways on the goal, right? And I'm talking like I'm in the church <laughs> Christian league of basketball and I accidentally went 
got the inbound. I went straight for the other goal. No one, one guarded you, huh? No one guarded me, right? <laughs> I'm the only one that forgot. And I scored. Easy bucket. Dude, I was so pissed. I went back and I hid behind the bench and started crying because I was so embarrassed that how could the best player on the team not forget that? Again, I'm in fifth grade, right? Yeah. I'm in fifth grade. Who gives a shit? I'm in fifth grade. It doesn't matter. I just told you I was in a church league. Yeah. Like, they were keeping score on the not table. Not one person cares. No. There were, between all the parents that were there, there was maybe like 18 people there. Like, who cares? But the reality is I learned about humility that it's not about me, mm-hmm. right? It's about, not only is it about the bigger, you know, the bigger vision in mind, but when you drill into it, like, man, I didn't learn anything from winning. I learned everything. Again, you can learn about the gracefulness of winning. Yeah. You can learn about uh, about how to accept it. Yeah, you know, in a way that others around you appreciate. But man, you want to learn about who you are. Yeah, you only learn that in losing. 100%. Because when you lose, guess who's in your corner? Only you. Yeah, and you're the only one listening. Well, the one thing I always know, and I'll and I'll say this: when you're winning, and I can say this from both personal experience, evaluation, and my and my coaching of many people. When you're winning, it gives you affirmation that what you're doing is right. And what you're doing may be right, but it may not be the best way to do it. And I have made plenty of missteps because I've done what I thought was right, but it wasn't the best way. And you don't look at what could possibly be a better way. You don't evaluate your actions, your motions, your movements, or your state of mind until you lose. Mm -hmm. And I have made that mistake. And I'm still growing and I'm still learning and I'm still part of this game and I'm trying my best to be a student in it. But I have made, and I will announce this publicly, I've made plenty of mistakes, and it's because I thought I was right. And when I was winning, I don't have to acknowledge that. I don't have to talk about that. Quite frankly, the conversation never begins because I'm winning. But when you take a loss, then even if it's no one else, even if it's just you, because I believe the standard I hold myself to is higher than anyone else. And I have business partners who hold me extremely high. They hold me to a great standard. They, they, they have a great expectation for my performance, and we, and we do that collectively. We have a great and extremely high expectation of each other. So they hold me very accountable, and we've had some tough conversations that were absolutely necessary. I mean, we've had conversations where we almost broke into a fist fight. You know, yeah. shout out Anthony, man. I love you to death. But we have had some of these. They were necessary. But it's when you lose that you really look in the mirror and you go, not am I wrong. I'm not saying that's always the origin of the question. Mm-hmm. Because if you thought you were wrong, you wouldn't have done it. But how can I do this better? How can I play this better? How can I get better? How can I see this in the eyes of people who have already done this or made the mistakes that I'm currently making and now know the best way to do it or the best way to approach it? That's the origin of this show. That's what we're on here for. How can I play the game better? How can I get better? And how can I maximize this time I have on earth? You know, with that being said, Travis, I appreciate you getting on here. I appreciate you coming on the show talking about, you know, your success in the sales industry, your success in the roofing industry, your success with SRS, which just had its uh, first annual uh, Las Vegas Bowl. Shout out to you guys out there. You know, it's a big it's a big deal for me that you came on. and, and, And I know it's a big deal for a lot of people. You know, I want to end this with this question. If there was something that you absolutely felt you needed to get into the marketplace, that any people, whether you're new to sales, trying to get into sales, maybe afraid of sales, or you've been in it and you just want to level up, what is the thing that that they need to know? Because I want to clarify, we're talking to someone who's doing it at a high level in a high industry in one of the most competitive, competitive and diluted markets on the planet. 
and and I want to say, and I want to clarify to the public, it's not probably the most. It is it it is the one. What is that thing that they need to know? I've thought about this a lot, and uh, for me, it's be obsessed with that process. Absolutely, be obsessed with the process. No matter what you do, no matter how much you give, you literally have to be obsessed with the fact that it's it's not about the wins and loss column. Although we just harped a lot about what the losses mean, but just be so obsessed with what you do, what you are doing to get better, and what you're doing to shape yourself into the man or the woman you you will eventually become. That you love it so much, yeah. and like we talked about earlier, be more upset with the losses than you are happy with the wins. Yeah. And when you start to realize that, again, you can learn that. You can learn to realize that you hate losses more than you like winning. And one day you wake up and go, "Man, shit, that stung!" Like I was just playing rec basketball and I lost, and that stung. The minute that you realize that's you, and that's the reality that you've accepted you'll start realizing that you're going to start making breakthroughs that you haven't made before. Man, that's awesome. And I hope you guys heard that. You you got and it's funny cuz I've, you know, if <laughs> for those of you guys who were in our LZ Odom league and we went 0 for 10 and me and Melo averaged 30 points each and our team averaged 60. You can do the math there. You knew that I lost some friends in that. So it's awesome to hear that, yeah. man. I appreciate yeah. your time. I appreciate you being on the show. Um that is it for this episode um with Travis Flores of a Student of the Game podcast. We appreciate you guys listening. Be sure to subscribe, like this episode, and continue to be ready for the next one. Thanks so much, guys. Nice, man. I appreciate you, man. Yeah, man. That was a good, good show, man. Yeah, I like that. Evan, what'd you I'm think? Like, we could have kept going. I mean, man, we could have.